Hey there, Richard Tubb here with another episode of Tub Talk, and I am super excited to introduce you to today's guest. Gil Peckelman is the founder and CEO of Atera, a cloud-based IT management platform that provides an all-in-one solution built for MSPs and IT support personnel. Now, Gil has over 20 years of senior leadership experience in hyper-growth technology startups, managing R&D, marketing, and sales to global corporations in North America, Europe, and APAC. His track record includes taking tech companies from zero sales traction to successful exit IPO. I am super excited to talk to him. Gil, welcome to Tum Talk. Thank you, Richard. Excited to be here. Where are you joining us from today? I'm, I'm in Tel Aviv, and believe it or not, Tel Aviv is post-corona. Yeah, we were just talking just before we came on air, of course, recording this um, in the start of June. So Israel and Tel Aviv is uh, starting to come out of uh, the COVID-19 situation. Yeah, we've been out for a month now, more or less, and people are back in restaurants, back on the beach, uh, very few inf- new infections. Psychologically, that makes a big difference. And things there is there is light at the end of the tunnel, and Atera is back at an office, which is strange in itself after two and a half months of lockdown. But we were back. Yeah. Now let's talk a bit about you as an individual, as a CEO first. So Atera is already wildly successful, but it's not your first successful business. Can you tell us a little bit about your own personal journey into becoming CEO of Atera? Sure. I actually, third year in university, I studied both economics and business administration. I joined a startup, not even knowing what it is, what a startup is. And this company was called Indigo at the time. And it, I joined when there was around 100 people. And we grew and grew super fast. And at 3,000 people, we were acquired by HP. And that was a ride and my first startup ride ever as a young guy. And I, I understood this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. And then I went and founded together with some friends, a company called Exonet in the storage space. And after a few years of building Exonet, it was acquired by Dell. And then, uh, so, success. And then I started Atera, uh, and Atera has been the most amazing of all. Of all these two, three stories, the most amazing is Atera, the most exciting. I'd also say the most beautiful one of the three companies is Atera. So, what? Give us some timelines. That which year did you start Atera? We started uh, developing our product in 2014, early 2014. Uh, We launched our first version in 2016. And uh, ever since, we've been in the market from 2016 and growing very quickly. Uh, We have uh, 4,500 customers in 75 different countries around the world. Uh, growing, you know, everywhere from customers in the Maldives, which everybody wants to visit and help them, <laughs> to to, you, to the UK, which is our second largest largest market, and the US, which is our largest. So in seventy different, seventy five different countries around the world. So it's really an exciting ride, and I think the most exciting part of it is the the. The appreciation, the the connection we have with these with our customers, 
which is amazing. I mean, the, the, the reactions we get, uh, the feedback we get, uh, it's, it's just makes it so much fun every day. Well, interestingly, you've built up a really, really uh, sort of a fan base of raving fans, especially here in the UK where I'm recording from today. Um, I would say that if not the top one, you're certainly in the top three uh, people that pe- that uh, listeners have asked me to interview on this podcast, Gil. So that's why I'm so excited to have you uh, here today. A terror themselves, uh, the people uh, within the business, how many people have you got there with uh, working within the company at the moment? We are 60 people at the moment. Mm, 60 people. And what type of roles uh, do they take? Because one of the, th- and the reason I asked that question is I know that you're not a, a massively sales-driven organization. And I say that with respect. Lots of vendors that I speak to have got very, very heavy sales teams. I don't think that's the case with you, though, is it? Right. We, no, we are primarily engineers. And we have, when we started Atera, the reason was that we were looking at the frustration, the difficulties that MSPs were were having when they had to deal with the complexity, the cost, the time of buying and integrating the, the legacy standalone solutions. And when you combine that with all the frustration created by the various consolidations, uh, we were looking at that and we said, it, it doesn't make sense. But for us, it doesn't make sense. It didn't mean we we're going to sell better. It meant for us that we we're going to make a product that people would love to buy. And that was our goal. And that's why we're not sales-driven. We're product-driven. Everything we do, the, the, the goal is that our customers or the next new customer will look at our product and say, okay, wow, this is exactly what I was looking for. This is something else than what I'm used to seeing. So the primary, you know, the group, the big group here is the product, the R&D group. And uh, they're all focused on engaging customers, listening to what they're saying, uh, getting feedback quickly. We release a version every three weeks. So we make a big effort to really meet the demand, the requests that our customers are sending to us, over to us. We have one very important thing that we do uh, is we make sure everything is simple. So people can ask for things and it's easy to implement, but to implement it in a way that it keeps it simple is very difficult. And there are a lot of effort goes into the user experience and user interface and fl- thinking of how the user will use it and making sure that it always stays simple and doesn't become bloatware. How do you balance that simplicity against the inevitable demand that MSPs will have for features? How do you keep it simple? Well, first of all, it's very tough. The second thing we do is we try to put in as much automation behind the feature so the individual uh, user will have less to do uh, on his own and the system, the algorithms and the back end will do as much for him as possible. Which, which naturally makes it simple and also makes it much more efficient. So we are working around that all the time. And it's a tough challenge. That's not, it's not an easy one to keep it, keep it simple, but that's kind of our you know, North Star in what we're doing. Yeah. I want to talk a bit more about the product shortly, but I'm intrigued. You know, 2016, I think we first spoke, didn't we, Gil? You and I probably, it was definitely near 2016, maybe 2017, 
and yeah. you sort of appeared on my radar and uh, a mutual friend connected us and I've heard more and more about you uh, since that time but you've grown rapidly you're up to 60 people as a CEO what do you look for when you're hiring people what type of people do you want working at Terra? So because we're a technology company not a sales company uh, we're looking for people that are our people are innovative they think out of the box the, the ones that uh we, we like to say they don't even know there's a box. And, uh, and they were very passionate by, by what they're doing. So they are, you know, they came here to build something that's exceptional that they'll take with them through their whole lives later on. And that, that's the kind of dynamic and energy there's in the company. And because the, you know, the majority of these 60 people are all engineers and product people, it's all, these are, we're all creating all the time. Mm. You see, talk about the type of people that you enjoy working with, and you're clearly having fun there. Just before we came on air, actually, you were giving me a quick tour of the office, and you know, you can see how proud you are and uh, the enjoyment you get from the people that you work with. What type of MSPs do you enjoy working with? Is there a certain trait that you look for in the clients that you attract? Um, I, I think that I, I look at it a bit, you know, I look at it in the following way. MSPs are amazing businesses and amazing people. And you look at the, the, what they do, the way they give service. And actually, they're like, they're the secret people behind the machine working because nothing works without IT working. And, and nobody, you know, they're, they're unrecognized in a sense. So any MSP that uh, we're engaged with, you know, even if he doesn't become a customer, uh, every conversation, and I do a lot of them every day, with, uh, is an amazing one. And I can't say that I have, you know, those that I prefer. You know, some, they, there some could be very different. Some, you know, are very focused on certain industries. Some have, you know, very specific ways that they do things. Some are new. Some are a family business. Some are growing rapidly, uh, focused on security. So I can't say that there's a type that... Uh, all, they all amaze me every time I have a conversation and I'm, I'm amazed and I learn something new and we want to be a partner with them. And that's our goal in life. Yeah. Yeah. And you're doing a good job of it. As I said, you built up a great Thank reputation. Thanks for that. <laughs> I, I was trying to remember if the first time we talked and I told you what we we're going to do, you told me I'm crazy or not, but I'm... <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I can still remember the first conversation that we had, and I said something along the lines of, um, if you make the tool simple, I think you've got a good opportunity there. And so, you know, I, clearly you had that idea in mind, obviously, before we spoke. So but I, I'm such a huge fan of disruption in the market and making sure that the big players are kept on their toes, that, that MSPs are given options. And that's why I was a big fan, you know, when you first started up and why I'm so pleased to see you doing well now. That's great. I remember that conversation as well. And uh, we, I remember that interaction because that's how we started with uh, this idea of simplicity. And it, that, hearing that from you was like, whoa, this is, uh, you know, we're in, we're in the same... Uh, we're, we're, we're transmitting here on the same wavelength and it's the first time we've spoken. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, for me, cool. complex tools don't get used. I remember when I ran an MSP way back in the day, and I won't mention any names specifically, but there's some really powerful tools on the market. But 
MSPs buy them and don't do a great deal with them because they're too complex. And, you know, as MSP business owners, you don't have the time to implement things. So that's another reason why I'm, I'm such a fan of, uh, of simplicity as well. Yeah. One of the other reasons I'm a fan of uh, simplicity and, and products like a terror for disrupting the market is your pricing model. So talk me through the pricing model a little bit because I know that you allow MSPs to pay per technician. How else do you sort of um, price things up and how else do you differentiate yourself from this, maybe the established players in the market? So the first thing for us going into, you know, early days was that the whole pricing model in the market just didn't make sense for us. It was so old and legacy and clunky. Uh, and, you know, the, 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 our pricing model, first of all, is transparent, predictable. You know how much you're going to pay every month. Uh, that was the first thing. The second part of it is because we, we, we charge per technician, our customers install agents on every computer and server in their networks. And that does something else. That allows them to give much better service because every system has an agent and they don't, they don't work as hard because all the automations are running on everything. You don't have to charge for each one. You have a whole different paradigm in terms of the work. So you're paying less, you're giving better service, and you're working less, which actually gives you more time to grow. Um, so that's how we looked at the whole picture. And, you know, compared to the legacy solutions where it's per agent and every computer, you're now every PC you're going to monitor, you're going to pay for. And there's a contract and it's three years and you got you know, you negotiate your prices. We, we, we thought that was really wrong, just pure wrong. Uh, so that's, that's how we uh, looked at the whole pricing model. But technologically speaking, we are also the only, only product that is a single code base and single database for both the RMM and PSA. Single one. So in terms of usability, in essence, within minutes after signing up, you already as a business have a PSA and RMM up and functioning and running and you know how to use it. That's the, that's the beauty of it. I remember in the old days, old days, 2016. <laughs> old days ago. Old, yeah. Uh, you know, trials would come up to us and say, well, we love it. How much will the professional services cost? We're willing to pay. And we, we just didn't have a professional services team. And the whole design of the system was that you don't need one. And we, we would say, we don't have one. It doesn't, you can pay whatever you want. We don't have the people. Try it. You'll see you don't actually need the professional services for it. And, and that, it improved itself. And I don't think, I think the market knows that by now, because I don't remember getting those questions anymore. Yeah. Uh, well, well, one of the most common questions I get asked when I'm advising MSPs they say, what should I start with, an RMM tool or a PSA tool? Now, I'm old school. I've been doing this forever. So I had a clearly defined answer to that back then. But again, you've disrupted the market. So what are your views on, on, on that at the moment, the whole RMM PSA question? I think that with a, with a Terra, you start with both. We cost $79 a month and you get both per user. So there is no reason to decide to make that. That's a decision that you don't have to make anymore. You press the button, you sign up, and you have both working fully integrated. It's a single code base and single. So there's not, it's not two systems. 
It, they all, it all looks the same. It's fully streamlined. It's built to work together. The decision has become almost irrelevant at this point. And, and again, that's a way to bring, give better service because having both RMM and PSA out of the box, you're immediately giving much better service. Yeah. Have you got any MSP clients or any IT service providers in general who choose not to use your RMM or choose not to use the PSA um, and, and perhaps because they've got legacy products or anything like that. I'm trying to think of an environment you know, where somebody might come to you and say, hey, we really love your RS, your RMM, but we've already got a PSA tool. Have you come across that situation? We do. We do come. It's, it's, uh, it's a, you know, there is a percentage of our customers that come like that. There's a very low percentage that don't eventually move because they, the, the, our PSA as well is easy to use. It's enjoyable to use. So uh, there, there's people walking by. That's Yoav. Do you know Yoav? I do not know. So we oh, should say for, for podcast listeners, we've got the video going. And so okay. I can see all of the members of the team behind us walking past. <laughs> <laughs> but eventually we, we will see them move to our PSA because it has the same characteristics. It's easy to use. It's enjoyable to use. The, the cost is already in there for the $79 per month. Uh, so they they will move out gradually. Those that come with it and stay with the whole ecosystem of Atera, which is very powerful. Yeah, let's talk a little bit more about that ecosystem there, because you've got um, strategic alliances, dare I say, with companies like Acronis for backup, and and there's other tools there. What what's your view, first of all, with working with the greater, the wider MSP community, and dare I say, some vendors who may even have overlapping products. So, so, first of all, we're, it's all done with uh, our customers uh, kind of in the center of the decision-making process. And the way we see it is the more the ecosystem is robust, robust for them, they have a better business. So if they have uh, a Cronus built in or a WebRoot built in and everything is streamlined, the, the installation, the payment, the alerts, they're going to have. They're going to be a better business. So as we're adding as many of those as we possibly can, and as fast as possible. And we actually just signed with uh, Bitdefender this week. Okay. We're working on integrating them as well. So we're increasing this ecosystem to make sure that when a customer of ours joins and there's products that he likes that are non-Atera antivirus, he'll have the antivirus he likes within the Terra ecosystem and he can immediately start using it and, uh, uh, and has, have a holistic view of, uh, of everything he's doing. Yeah, that makes sense. And of course, we've talked up until this point about managed service providers, MSPs who typically offer sort of flat fee support, all you can eat contracts. However, I know that you've got a, a sort of an established and a growing user base of maybe companies who are in the transition to manage services, they're still doing sort of break fix. And, and the licensing that you've got sort of lends itself uh, uh, to that. What would you say the sort of split of your customers is at the moment, MSPs to those who are aspiring to be MSPs? Oh, that's a tough question. <laughs> um, first of all, we are enablers of MSPs. Mm. If you're a uh, break fix business and you want to become an MSP, you, investing $89, $79 a month uh, 
it is a very small investment to make the transition. So we see a lot coming in and coming and we have a lot of uh, uh, documentation and how to's and blog posts on how to do that move. And we have a lot of experience with it and you do it almost riskless. There's almost no risk with the Terra. If you go to a legacy solution and you're paying thousands of dollars just to get started, even before you got your first MSP dollar, it's a whole different kind of decision. So we see a lot coming in and we, we like to help them in that transition. And uh, we're enablers of it in essence. Yeah, I know I'm, I'm part of an online community called the Tech Tribe, um, founded by Nigel Moore in Australia. And we've, we've got, you know, 800 plus uh, sort of paying MSP or paying IT businesses, I should say, from across the world. And lots of um, uh, IT businesses that aspire to be managed service providers uh, come to uh, come into us. And we see a lot of chatter around Atera because for all the reasons you just mentioned, it's low risk and it enables people to start thinking like an MSP using the tools like an MSP, but without making huge, huge commitments up front. So uh, I appreciate you doing that, yeah. Well, our, one of our biggest uh, challenges is to make sure that the system is simple, but not simplistic. It's very sophisticated actually, but staying simple. So you start with a Terra, but the power of a Terra's uh, technology and algorithms is such that the predictive alerts, the patch management, uh, auto healing, those are features that are very powerful, even more actually more powerful than the old legacy solutions that their architecture is client-based architecture and not a cloud-based architecture like ours that can utilize the power of the cloud actually to create these algorithms and uh, solutions. Yeah. So that's, that's a big part of the challenge of the R&D team. Well, let's get technical for a minute and talk, if we can, Gil, about some specific features. So uh, network discovery um, was an important feature add. Why, why was network discovery uh, so important for you? Um, why do you think MSPs rate it so highly? So the, the, the trigger to go and to develop a, a network discovery uh, was requests from customers. It was the number one most requested uh, solution uh, that we had from our installed, our customer base. Um, and uh, what happened actually during the development of it, uh, which network discovery is an ongoing product, we're developing it and increasing the capabilities. Um, but one thing that we suddenly found out is that we can add another layer to network discovery as opposed to the, the standard network discovery solution that actually creates kind of an inventory um, an inventory map, we added onto that a business layer. And once creating the inventory, what we did is we the business layer is able to identify the business opportunity within the inventory. In essence, it's like sending an employee to a network, to a company, and saying to him, look, go through the network, go through all the computers and servers, write down the hardware for me, the software, the routers, the firmware versions, and let me know what needs to be upgraded, what needs to be fixed, and write down for me how much business is behind that. And we do that continuously with network discovery and on the fly, and we create like tasks, like action item tasks that have all that information. This is, what's needs, this is what needs to be upgraded. This is how much it uh, profit is 
or revenue is potential is there for you. And basically all you have to do is, and, and these are things that are important for your customers. And all you have to do is go and increase your revenue. We actually found out that on average, we identify $89,000 of annual recurring revenue per MSP with this system. Money on, left on the table. And we see that our customers using it are actually increasing their revenue. That's incredible because so many MSPs are actually founded, and I speak for myself here, by people who are technicians first and business owners second. So when I founded my MSP business, and we're going way back, uh, Gil, um, I was a technician. I was a geek. You know, I was you're in- young. <laughs> back in, you're so young. How back, how back can that be? I don't believe that. Years ago, but I mean, because I was a geek, I was focused on the features. Right. But then you, you overlook the opportunities, as you've just said, for um, uh, for not only helping the client but increasing your revenue as well. So I think that is a that's an awesome feature, and the fact that you've pointed this out to the technicians and said you would be doing a disservice to not help the clients with this exactly. makes it so much easier. Exactly. Yeah. One of the other features that you've added recently is uh, custom scripting. Um, what sort of scripts are you seeing your community of MSPs build? Well, what we're seeing is uh, actually the majority is three types of scripts. There's security scripts, there's uh, installation-based scripts, and various maintenance-based scripts. And we also we have a community now, so people are adding scripts. We're doing quick we're doing quick verification of them. And then we, we, put, we publish them in the whole community of our whole, our whole 4,500 MSPs that they can share these scripts between them and create more and help each other. And we're actually, uh, that takes me a little bit somewhere else, but we're very strong on community between our customers. Uh, we have a Facebook group with uh, around 2,000 of them. Uh, and uh, it's, they help each other all the time. I mean, the whole discussions is how do you do this and how do you price that and what do you do in this case? And there's a continuous uh, dynamic of helping. It's a big community helping each other, and there's a, there's a dynamic naturally of engaging with us over that Facebook group. But we're very strong on community and sharing ideas and thoughts and uh, initiatives, etc. Yeah, I wasn't aware of the Facebook community, actually. We'll, we will make sure to include a link to it in the um, the show notes for this podcast. Is that community open to non-Aterra MSPs or is it MSP customers? Sorry, no, only Aterra customers, only paying customers. <laughs> <laughs> a good reason to become a paying yeah. customer. Uh, exactly. So we, we've already mentioned, Gil, that we're recording this uh, sort of at the uh, what we hope will be the, the tail end of the COVID-19 situation there in Tel Aviv. You're going back to the office and, and the world is starting to get back to some degree of normality. Wherever you are listening to this uh, episode, at some point in the future, technicians are going to be visiting client sites more often. So my question for you, Gil, is what are your plans for, for a mobile app? So we have a mobile app. We launched it a couple of months ago. Um, next week, we're la- launching its final major version. And actually, the, the unique thing about the mobile app is it's a PSA and an RMM together. And it's simple and enjoyable to use. 
And that means that wherever you are, you now have your tickets and you have your alerts and you can connect remotely and you can see the problems and you can actually manage everything from your phone uh, or your iPad naturally, but your phone in general. And uh, it's a native app, Android and iOS. And I believe that even with COVID uh, over, work from home is going to stay. So actually you're going to be dealing with more than one site for each customer. Each customer of yours that had one site now might have 30 sites. You might be called to a customer, you know, to his home and have to set up things there, security, internet connection. So you might have to be even more mobile and naturally work better remote. So you have less travel and more, more work can be automated and done from remote. Excellent. And again, we'll include a, a link to the uh, to the mobile app and the uh, the updated features in the show notes as well. Cool. I think it's clear to anybody who's listening to this, you've already mentioned simplicity. You've already mentioned having fun while you're doing it. Now, this is not something that most MSPs think about. It's like, oh, the simplicity bit they get, but they're having fun a bit that definitely comes across from speaking to you what would you say is um, important to you as a ceo as your business continues to grow is fun near the top of that list fun is we have five uh company culture principles one of them is fun we actually have fun all the time. I mean, fun for us, you know, the, what makes our day literally is getting an email from a customer and say, that says, wow, where were you before? And we get those all the time. Or the product is, is amazingly beautiful or it's just, just so, so that's for us, number one fun. Second fun is football, soccer, basketball, Nerf Wars. <laughs> That's the second part of the fun. And we have other, uh, other principles as well. Innovation, daring, teamwork. Our customers come first. We care about them. So th those are the things that uh, come together. And uh, if our customers are enjoying life, we're you know, enjoying what we do we, and appreciate it, we, we have a great day then. That's yeah. really how the cycle works. I, I mean, I can hear it, and I think the listeners will hear it through through our conversation today. You know how much fun and how proud you are of what you're building. Can I ask you a question as a CEO? Um, sure. When I speak to lots of managing directors, CEOs, and we talk about company culture, it can so easily become a list of words that are written on a poster in the meeting room. How do you make sure that people coming into a rapidly growing business as yours is, that they understand the culture, that they're a good fit for it? And how do you maintain that culture as you grow? Okay. We, we, uh, we invest a lot in, in the culture because we want people to come in and keep on being innovative and listening to the customers and work in teams and not. Um, so we first, we have an HR department that when we hire somebody, they're trying to assess if he's uh, in line with this. And uh, sometimes we make mistakes, and we correct them, but we try, we try not to. We try to make sure that the people we bring in uh, fit those, uh, those characteristics. And once somebody comes in, we have a very elaborate onboarding process. I meet for an hour with every new employee that comes into the customer, into the company. Uh, and I sit down with them, 
if I didn't, even if I interviewed them in the interview process, once they're onboarding, I'll sit down with them. I'll tell them about the company, about what's important for us, how our uh, principles look, um, what's our mission and vision. Uh, and um, they get it from everybody around them as well, all the time. So in, in essence, they after the onboarding process and assuming that we didn't make a mistake with their personal characteristics, They'll, they'll fit in well. And we have a very high retention rate of employees. Mm, good to hear. Thank you. We've talked about previous businesses, you know, uh, been acquired by Dell, by HP. That's a pretty impressive uh, CV. What would you say is the biggest lesson that you've learned as a CEO and perhaps something that you've carried forward to Atera? Um. The biggest lesson is, and it'll sound like like a cliche, but actually, I, I, you know, as as you grow as a CEO, you also get these things are enforced uh, from uh, various external uh, experiences. So the biggest thing is the team. Uh, it sounds like a cliche, but it's actually not. It's uh, if you have excellent people everywhere in the company that are driven and passionate and innovative and love what they're doing, then even if something as bad as COVID hits you, you'll recover, you'll make it. You'll, they, they will make it, they'll be innovative, they'll be flexible, they'll think of new ideas. I'll give you an example. As COVID hit us, within two weeks, we released a work from home feature that allowed our customers to connect home PCs to the office PC. Uh, immediately, within seconds, simple, within the product. And we did, we released it two weeks within, to, within COVID. And it, it's not that I came up with this great idea. It came up from the team. And they, they said, look, we can do this. And we, we did it together with Splashtop, actually, one of our partners. And we can do it like this and like that. And within two weeks, we're going to launch it. And uh, so the team, the team is really uh, everything. And actually, what, for me... What uh, solidified that, not as a cliche, was a presentation I heard from the head of MI6. I don't remember her name, uh, but uh, she was the MI6, the head of MI6 during 9-11. And it was a presentation and she was asked, um, is it lonely at the top? She said, I don't know because I had such a good team at the time. Uh, I just can't say, is it lonely? It wasn't lonely for me. And that was, that's, uh, that really is the meaning of the team. That really the team matters and that's where, the, where you went from. I love that advice. Thank you for sharing it. Really appreciate it. Something else I want to draw attention to, um, you've put together some wonderful resources to help the nearly 200,000 men and women who leave US military service and return to civilian life. Tell me more about why that's important to you. So first of all, the, we, these are people that have served and they've served their nation, they've served the world, the community. Uh, and when they come out of military service, and we, we do it in other places as well, they, they start building their second lives. And these are people that are disciplined, talented, driven, focused. 
And we are, we're, our feeling was that if they, and some of them come from backgrounds that are relevant and some don't, but with a very, very small effort, they can enter this world of IT, which has, as you can see in COVID, uh, it always has needs and it's always very uh, both pleasurable, enjoyable and profitable. And with that, we, we were helping them with their second, uh, their second life. And they're the best people to do the job. And we also feel committed after they've given service to be part of helping them do that uh, change. Yeah, I've, I've hired uh, former military um, uh, um, veterans before. And they, as you say, they just make incredible employees, such discipline, uh, such work ethic and that. So wholeheartedly applaud that. Yeah. Um, as we're coming towards the end of our time together, obviously the listeners to this show are typically uh, the owners of IT businesses, managed service providers. What's the top piece of advice that you would give to any MSPs listening? What's the one thing that you would ask them to do? I'd say that as COVID is with us now to stay, uh, focus on what you're doing best, get the best technology you can to help you. And COVID is not here forever. It's going to go away. And when you come out of it, you're going to be stronger, better, and more profitable. And uh, hold in there. It's not that far away then. Yeah. Well, I've thoroughly enjoyed our conversation today. And I'm going to put you on the spot and see if maybe we could have this conversation again in 18 months, a couple of years' time, just to see both where a terror is and where the managed service industry is. And that would be great. I would love that. Um, we're going to have to give you our projections now so you can then check us in two years from now and see if we met our targets. Hold you accountable to it. Exactly. <laughs> Gil, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you today. If anybody listening wants to continue the conversation with you, how's the, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Just send me an email. It's gil at atera.com, G-I-L at atera.com. I always answer. I always reply. I love these dialogues. Just send me an email and we can start a discussion. Fantastic. Gil, I really appreciate your time. It's taken us a couple of years to get to have this conversation. Let's not leave it a couple of years before we have the next one for the listeners' benefit. Absolutely, Richard. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. Thanks a lot. Cheers, Gil. Thank you. Take care. Hey folks, Richard here. Thanks for listening today. I know you've got a ton of options for who you listen to nowadays, so I really appreciate your support. Do you have any feedback on this episode? Ideas for future guests? Tweet me at Tublog using the hashtag TubTalk. I respond to every tweet and really appreciate your feedback. Hey team, this is Richard again. Just one more thing before you take off, and that is MSP Insights. Now, every Tuesday, I share my thoughts on the business of IT with you, the managed service community. Thousands of managed service providers already subscribe to MSP Insights. It's easy to sign up, easy to cancel. MSP Insights is basically a short email from me every Tuesday without fail with advice on growing your IT business, plus cool resources I found, discovered, or started exploring that week. It's kind of like my diary 
of cool things and often includes articles or books I've read, tools I've discovered and events I think you'd be interested in, often sent to me by my friends and Tub Talk podcast guests. So if that sounds fun, a short tiny bite of MSP goodness every Tuesday and you'd like to try it out, just go to go.tub.co forward slash Tuesday. That's gogo.tub.co forward slash Tuesday. Drop in your email and you'll get the very next one. Thanks for listening.